Hey, and welcome to episode three of the OS Training Podcast. My name is Steve Burge, and this week I'm talking with Justin Sternberg, who is one of the main developers behind CMB2, which is an enormously popular WordPress plugin, but hardly anyone knows it's there. It operates behind the scenes of many, many, many WordPress plugins. You're probably using it yourself if you use WordPress, even if you've never heard of CMB2 or seen it in your WordPress site. We came across CMB2 through a couple of different avenues. First, our WordPress teacher, Topher, created a brand new WordPress plugin development class. And his thinking was that rather than teach people how to build a WordPress plugin 100% from scratch, they were much better off learning how to use a framework like CMB2 to make their development faster, more reliable, more secure. Just like building a, a WordPress theme on an existing framework, it just makes everything you do much more effective and impactful rather than starting with a, a blank file and coding everything yourself. So we have a brand new video class on OSTraining.com that features CMB2. And also we've started to dabble in WordPress plugin development on WordPress.org. And one of the new plugins we've released is Upstream, a project management plugin. And that uses CMB2 as well. It really made it much, much quicker to get the plugin to market. We were able to scaffold an entire series of tasks and projects and milestones and to-dos and the whole interface and the user management all on top of CMB2. So Justin is really doing useful work with CMB2. And in this week's episode, we, we dive deep into how he got into WordPress development it's really not what you're expecting, I promise. And where he's taking CMB2 in the future and what use you can get out of it. Cool. Hey, uh, welcome, Justin. Hello. Thanks for having me. Hey, so Justin, like uh, like many of us, you has started off doing something completely different from web design. Right now, you, uh, you build CMB2 and do a lot of uh, design and development work in WordPress, but... Uh, where did you actually get started on your career? It's uh, a good question. I um, spent a lot of time in the summers uh, when I was in high school painting, house painting, uh, working for a friend. And after I graduated, I ended up sticking to that for longer than I intended, simply because it, it was, you know, a good paying job. Um, so when I, I got married couple of years out of high school after I finished my, you know, associate's degree in visual communications. And instead of switching over to that career, I was like, hey, I just got married. I need to make some money. <laughs> so I stuck with that for a while and uh, ended up moving to North Carolina eventually um, as the house painting uh, industry was a little more robust here. Um, Wait, but so eventually, where were you before? Uh, I grew up in Minnesota, actually. So the big difference. That sounds like a pretty cold place to be a house painter. <laughs> it is. Thankfully, uh, I was on the interior crew, so that was kind of my specialty, interior finishes. And, um, you know, we, we did pretty uh, high-dollar homes, and I did finishes, like, you know, all the woodworking in the house and that kind of thing. So, uh, Oh, so when you, when you say you're a house painter, you weren't just going in and snapping up a a coat of paint on walls, you were doing much more delicate and artistic work. <laughs> I've cer certainly slapped coats of paints on walls many times, but yeah, that was kind of my, my area uh, was the woodworking and such. 
And so you moved down from Minnesota to North Carolina. Uh, the weather was better. Uh, the The economy was better down there too. Yeah, that so the the housing industry kind of started to dry up in in Minnesota. Thanks, you know, right around that two thousand eight time. Um, it but it hit Minnesota a little bit earlier than it did North Carolina. So we just, you know, we we moved down here thinking it would be the land of plenty, and it it actually was really good for a couple of years. Um, and that's kind of the the segue into how I got out of painting was eventually the the housing thing hit here too, and you know, first thing to go is cosmetic things like painting right um and so for a while actually about two years i was unemployed and i i did a lot of odds and ends i did a lot of side jobs painting and other things but i also did a lot of uh side uh graphic design things and i started to figure out um coding and wordpress particularly because uh I was volunteering a lot at my church at the time because I had a lot of free time, and that was one of the areas that they really really needed help was their website was on. I don't know if you've ever heard of iWeb. It was an Apple product for building web pages. Yeah, it was like their own custom site builder from a, ooh, a decade or so ago. Yeah, and it was, uh, yeah, it was like, you know, just a WYSIWYG. It was basically a desktop ap- application. Uh, if you ever use Microsoft Publisher or anything like that, it's similar to that concept, but for the web and you just hit publish and it would push up all your HTML and, and stuff. But it created super gnarly code, obviously. Um, so eventually we realized that's just not sustainable. And so they wanted us to look into, you know, other ways to build a website. And so I started Googling, you know, like free, free ways to manage your website, right? And of course, WordPress you know, was at the top of the list. Uh, another one I was highly considering because I knew a lot of other churches were using it was a content management system called Expression Expression Engine. Uh, and it had sort of like a trial-free-ish version. And so those were my two, you know, I guess, options at the time. And I just decided to go with WordPress because it was, you know, open source, free, you know, and looked like it was used by lots of people. And the website might made it sound super easy, right? Five minute install. <laughs> I think it probably took me five hours to figure out that five minute install, but eventually we had, you know, a WordPress installation on our server. So, um, so do you remember a day when you you realized that you weren't going to be a house painter anymore, and you were going <laughs> to move into web design? Yeah, actually, it was uh, end of two thousand ten. Um, I had just finished uh, my church's website on WordPress, and I, I, I learned all about custom post types, custom taxonomies, custom templates, just all the custom things. And I was like, wow, this WordPress thing can do a lot, and it's super fun, and I'm really proud of this site. So I don't think I'm going to go back to painting because it's terrible. <laughs> I think instead I'm going to start walking the streets of our local city, Wilmington, and just figure out if anyone's hiring for this kind of thing or even graphic design or anything like that. Um, and I did that and there wasn't a whole lot to be found there, but I was also all over Twitter and Brad Williams from web, De- web dev studios tweeted something about, Hey, if you're, we're, we're looking to hire a junior web designer, if you're interested, let us know. And I responded to that. And, um, kind of the rest is history. We had a few chats. Uh, I used that, that church site as well as a few others as kind of my portfolio and kind of talked through it. And, um, so they, they hired me and 
I worked there for probably five years, I think a little over five years. So, so how did you learn to become a, a true coder? It sounds as if your background was in uh, graphic design at the college level and then yeah. a very visual medium working as a painter. How did you, how did you scale up as a coder? That's a good question too. <laughs> You're full of good questions. Um, yeah, so I definitely started more on the design side of things, but in 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 that college degree, we had like probably a month long HTML CSS class, and so I knew a little bit about that. And so before we switched our church's website to WordPress, uh, I was trying to make our little iWeb site kind of do more or look different or whatever. And so, you know, I was hacking on the HTML and CSS and hacking is a generous term for it. I mean, it was bad. Uh, but, you know, I started to learn that. And then, like I said, once I got into WordPress, it took a lot more knowledge to get it installed and working than I assumed it would take based on kind of the marketing language and such. And so... I really had to dig into some of this, like MySQL, creating a database, like connecting it with WP Config and all that stuff. And I was like, this, this coding and this kind of the, the dark recesses of the, the, <laughs> of the server is really interesting stuff, you know. Um, so I, you know, and so that was intriguing to me. And then, what, like I said, once I started to build our website for our church, um, me and a friend designed it completely from scratch, and then. We just needed someone to build it. So I said, you know, let's let's do this thing. So I looked up tutorials for how to convert like an HTML template to uh, WordPress and went from there. Um, and there was a lot of coding involved in that whole process. And I just discovered that I really, really liked it, you know. Um, it, it, you probably learned a lot at uh, Web Dev Studios as well. Five years there, they yes. they work on a lot of high-profile WordPress projects. Yep, absolutely. And when I started, again, I was a, a junior web designer is what it was called. And so my job was basically a lot of CSS and a lot of kind of front end stuff. Um, but as I spent time there working, uh, I always would kind of bite off more on the side of development um, than, than I was really tasked to do. I would just keep itching to do more and more of that. And so eventually... Uh, probably two or three years in, I just said, "Hey, can I switch to being a developer, not not a uh, designer or front end guy, but a, just a developer?" And they were all about it because you know it's hard to find developers, and so uh, it's you know generally speaking, it's a little bit easier to find front end developers than back end developers, and so um, they were happy to kind of make that transition with me and um, allowed me to kind of grow in that way and. Um, and there was no shortage of backend development work to do there. So, uh, and that's probably right around the same time I started using the original custom meta boxes uh, in Fields Library that Jared Atchison originally had on his GitHub and created, along with Bill Erickson and Andrew Norcross and a few others. Um, we were doing obviously a lot of custom stuff in WordPress and whenever you do a lot of custom stuff, you generally need a lot of custom fields and custom interfaces for those fields. And so I was looking for something that I could kind of manipulate more and not have a, a UI that kind of dictated how all these things worked. 
and I stumbled on that library and I really liked it. I liked that all of the configuration was in code and I could just, you know, copy and paste those configurations in different ways and such and keep it all in version control. And so I kind of really, I guess you could say, fell in love with the concept of how uh, all of that worked. And for a couple of years, I used it heavily and submitted a lot of pull requests. And finally, Jared's like, hey, do you, do, do you want, you know, commit access to this? And I was like, yeah, let me add it. Um, and then after that, you know, I, 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 I pushed up a, a bunch of commits. And it's probably a year into that. Um, we just approached him and said, hey, would you mind transferring this over to the Web Dev Studios GitHub so we can kind of, um, I guess, manage it a little bit better. and um, mother it right uh, and kind of watch the support and issues and all that kind of thing so once we moved it over there um it was kind of funny we didn't necessarily even have to move it because it was shortly after that that we forked it anyway and that's where cmb2 came into play is we determined that there was definitely some some issues in the original library um, some of which we could have probably figured out a way around with backwards compatibility, but there was a big enough issue with the way it loaded that we just determined it's best just to start from scratch and build something that we know is going to be ultimately flexible. And um, that issue was the issue that you could only load, um, you know, one version of that library and it was whoever loaded it first one, right? Like, because as long as everyone was using a class exist check or whatever, um, there wouldn't be any necessarily any compatibility issues like fatal errors from the same thing being loaded. But what we were finding is if your plugin was AAA and mine was ZZZ and yours loaded first, but it had an old version of the Metabox library, I couldn't use the new and cool stuff, right? Um, so but given that this was uh, becoming so such a popular library, I guess it probably wasn't unusual to find a website that may be using multiple versions of of the library. Maybe one plugin has a slightly older version, one has a slightly newer version. It, it was becoming a bit messy. And Yep, that's what we were finding. Um, I mean, one of the biggest benefits of CMB and CMB2 has always been that you could bundle it as a library within another plugin, right? And so what we were finding at Web Dev Studios, we used it religiously on every site, like um, in our theme for the, the projects. And what we were finding is certain plugins that we would use had it bundled and that would get loaded before our themes version. And it kind of started it, you know, caused us to be hamstrung in a few areas. And so, yeah, it, like you said, it started to get to a point where um, it was definitely out there being used by themes, plugins, and, and others. And this was before, even before CMB2. So it's, it, it's a pretty, you know, useful library. So I think a lot of people um, would use it. And then we also found, um, I think, I forget the name of that. There's another plugin that's about writing stories, and I forget what it's called. Uh, but they had it bundled and they were finding that they were getting some fatal errors from from other plugins and themes that were kind of bad citizens and they weren't doing class exist checks and stuff. And so there was just, there was starting to be like a lot of issues and I guess you could say bad, bad press around this, this plugin. And it, it made sense to me to figure out a system where we could ensure that that kind of thing never happens. 
And so that was the biggest driver for creating CMB2, the fork, and, and starting over was we want this to be something that's rigid and reliable and durable. And people aren't going to accidentally break other people's stuff simply by using this Metabox library. So you end up forking to CMB2. Um, when was that? It was 2013-ish? That is a good question. That sounds about right. And then I guess it undergoes almost explosive growth over the next few years. Um, how how much of your time is involved in CMB2 now? Um, I don't keep track. That would probably be depressing. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh some days there's a lot of time spent on it. Some weeks there's a lot of time spent on it. And then I'll go for several weeks where I don't even touch it. Um, so it's, it's one of those things where it's kind of my baby. And so I, I'm kind of always thinking about it and doing a tinkering one way or another with it. Um, but there, I don't spend a lot of dedicated time on it except for certain periods of time where it makes sense. Um, uh, and one of the things I've always done, I did it with WebDev Studio as I do it now, is any chance I can use to justify working on it because a client site or project needs a particular functionality from it or it's it's a little too rigid and it doesn't allow for a certain thing, I would take that opportunity to uh, work on those things and, and tweak it and make it better. So I would say that's a huge part of what's kind of driven the uh, the development of it over the last several years is just, hey, let's keep using it. So I have to keep working on it and fixing it and making it better. And um, it's getting close to the point now where it just it can do so much. It really can. It's super flexible um, and pretty durable. And so there's not as much work that needs to be done. Although there are a few big things that, uh, yeah, that are kind of pain points. The problem is they're big enough that I can't just hack on them, you know, in an afternoon. So so if I'm a completely new WordPress developer, uh, getting started to build my first plugin, why would I choose CMB2? What advantages would I get as opposed to starting from scratch? Okay, yeah. So opposed to starting from scratch, I mean, I think every developer should learn to build something from scratch at least one time. I think that's you know, I, I don't want to ever say skip that step because I think that's crucial to understanding how and why things do what they do. Um, and so there, and there's lots and a lot of good tutorials out there for how to create a meta box, how to put, you know, custom fields, how to save them, how to show them, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I hate to discourage someone from trying that ever. Um, but if you're a intermediate to seasoned developer, you're tired of doing the same thing over and over again, right? So you're always looking for ways to shave time and, and get there sooner. Um, and so CMB2 allows you to do that, it allows you to skip a ton of steps and, and thoughts, right? Like um, when you're developing from from scratch, you have to think about different things like sanitizing your data before you save it and escaping it on its way out and making sure you don't trust the user's input and making sure, you know, um, that it's not going to break your page layout. All these things are, are, uh, are things you have to keep in your head, uh, as well as like, how do I make a date picker? Like, who wants to go fi figure out the custom JavaScript to get a date picker working? I mean, it's not like fun stuff for the most part, you know? 
Um, so there's just like a lot of stuff that CMV2 allows you to not think about and just works for free uh, out of the box. And so I say, you know, for any developers like developing on a consistent basis, it's saving them a ton of time. Um, and it's also really good for prototyping. So maybe your finished product, you want it to have a custom UI and like custom, you know, whatever, like you want it to be your own thing. But to get to an MVP, you can use CMB2 to quickly prototype like fields and, and boxes and all that stuff to get your um, your prototype working. Um, so I've used that a lot for different things. So a lot of designers will will pick a favorite theme framework, it might be Genesis or Underscores or something similar, and it comes out of the box ready with a ton of features just to make their life easier. Maybe they sacrifice a teeny little bit of flexibility but it really accelerates their development and cmb2 is a similar a similar tool but for developers that it can really shave enormous amounts of time off your development and prototyping work yep yeah and i mean it's 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 a framework right and that's you just described the benefits of using any framework ever right is it like you said, you lose a little bit of flexibility, but what you lose in flexibility, you gain in time. And so you don't have to spend all your effort trying to make your meta boxes look pretty. Instead, you can make your plugin work really nice on the front end or whatever. Like you can, you can focus where it matters. Um, and I think that's kind of the selling point for most frameworks, right? Like it, it abstracts the stuff that's not as important to like be fretting about and allows you to focus on the stuff that's actually you know, impactful to the project you're making. And so that's definitely the idea behind CMB2. So if you go on WordPress.org, there's at least 100,000 downloads of the plugin. But I suspect that there's multiple times more than that when it comes to installs of the library. What kind of things are, are people using CMB2 for? We were joking before the, the conversation that it's incredible that a plugin that appears to do nothing initially has become so popular. Um, you install it, nothing actually happens until you build on the framework. Um, what it, It's enormously popular now. What what kind of plugins, what kind of projects does it get used for? Yeah, it blows my mind, to be honest, the, the fact that the WordPress.org installs are that high. I can see you know, like GitHub or whatever. Like I, 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 I get why people are using it, but it blows my mind that that many people are using WordPress.org's plugin deal to install it and, and keep it. Um, that's really cool, and I never anticipated that. Uh, the only reason, to be honest, that we put CMB2 on WordPress.org was so that we could abstract away the support forum part of it and keep it, trying to keep people out of issues. So we could keep the GitHub issues focused on bug reports and that kind of thing or, or, or new features. And if people had support requests, we'd funnel them to WordPress.org because it's a lot better at that. Um, but it, it blew up, right? Like it, it became something that people are using on a consistent basis. And I've heard a lot of times that people really like that it's there and they don't, they can install it on a client site and just their client can keep it up to date and they don't have to worry about uh, a stale version, you know, in, in their plugin or theme or whatever, which honestly isn't a, that big a concern either because, like I said earlier, uh, CMB2 handles always loading the newest version that it can find. So even if you bundle it in a plugin or a theme or whatever with your client, 
and then they install another plugin that has a newer version. Well, that's the one that's going to be used. So, are there any plugins that people might stumble across on WordPress.org? Uh, popular plugins that they might not realize are powered by CMB two. Um, uh, I would say give. Uh, give WP is it might be one of those that people might not know uh, has seen me too bundled uh, for a while. I think that's built by Word Impress, is it? Yeah, that's right. And uh, they also uh, do a Maps plugin, and for a while it dr- drove the Maps plugin one too. One of them it no longer uses it because, like I said, they use it for the prototyping, kept it for several years, but they moved on to their own custom thing. So they can have more flexibility, but uh, honestly, I, I don't even know what all the what all plugins are using. I know there's a, a real estate plugin called Realia, I think it's called, um, that uh, uses CMB2. Um, but there, there's not really a way to know for sure, you know, all the different things that are using it. And I know also a lot of WordPress.org themes have it bundled. Um, so, so yeah, on the theme side, they'd be using it to build out the options page. Uh, I mean, you can so CMB two can be used for term meta. Uh, you know, it can be used for uh, post meta. It can be used for options pages. So it can be used for a lot of things. And I've found that people use it for all of those things. So, for instance, if you have a theme and you want uh, your users to be able to have, let's say, a custom color or a, an image for uh, the archi- the category archive pages, right? Well, that's a perfect scenario where you could add CMB2 as to, to handle that term meta uh, so they can upload a custom, like a featured image to a category or define like, hey, this category is blue and this one is red. Uh, so that's something I've seen. It also can do user meta, so you can uh, provide custom fields for your users and kind of out- output those in-, in unique ways on the front end if you have like a user-centric theme or site um and then you know custom templates right like a home page template um cmb2 you can set it to only load on certain templates and so a lot of times themes will have a custom template and you can configure a lot of the parameters for that template uh with cmb2 meta boxes and then like you said options pages um it, it can do all that so you can create a custom theme options um page that kind of define a lot of the theme settings so it, it really can do a lot. And so I, I found that people are using it for a lot of those things in, in unique ways that I would never even have imagined. It's interesting. So am I right in thinking that CMB2 has kind of circled back on itself, that recently you started working with uh, Web Dev Studios again to to really drive CMB2 forward again? Um, well, so that's a good question. Web Dev Studios, it's kind of been under Web Dev Studios for several uh, years since it was created. Um, and then I left Web Dev Studios probably a year, a little over a year ago, and continued working on it, developing for them. That, you know, they, they continued giving me the commit access and all that good stuff. Um, uh, and it continued as normal. Um, and eventually this year, I was approached by some guys from Human Made who said, hey, we also have a custom meta boxes that we forked from the original that we've been ma- maintaining for several years. And, and so, go ahead to fill people in. I guess um, Web Dev Studios is a big uh, WordPress agency based in the US. Human Human Made is another big agency based in the UK. Yep, that sounds about right. 
Yep, and and like I said, they forked their own version, and, and it's a pretty robust and nice version as well. But they were just like, why are we doing this? You know, why are we why are we continuing? You know, separate directions with this stuff. We'd rather just kind of see if we can focus behind ZMB2 and help you guys. And this is a conversation that's actually happened at least three times in, since ZMB2 was created. The problem is we're just all super busy, and so we all have the best intentions, right? Well, this time it stuck a little bit more because they were hoping to uh, get it into um, VIP and get VIP to approve it as a framework that, that's allowed on, on there. And they were either going to try and get uh, VIP to you know, do theirs or ours, and they just said, well, it's not worth trying to clean ours up and get it to the point where it's VIP approved when we can just get behind CMB2 and or work with them to do that. So that's part of the initiative on their side. Um, and then at the same time, I, I work at Zayo now, and so it's a it's a big priority with us to work on CMB2. And so we just said, hey, let's move this thing to its own organization so that we can kind of have the central organization for everything CMB2 that's not necessarily um, agency specific, right? And so I think it helps politically, you know, for multiple agents agencies to be able to work on it, fork it, whatever. Um, contribute to it without kind of thinking, am I just, you know, putting money in another agency's pocket, which obviously CMB2 is free and open source. So there's no, there's no money there, but, uh, I think you get the idea there. It's, it, it's politically, it's a lot easier to say, Hey, CMB2 is its own thing. Um, and so that's kind of the direction that we went with, went with it in the last couple months is it's now on its own organization on GitHub. And it reduces the bus factor as well. If one of you were to drop out, there's a whole team ready to step up and keep it going. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, no matter what projects like this, there's a, there's a large bus factor, but it's definitely getting better and better um, and hopefully won't be a factor <laughs> eventually. So, Justin, where would, um, where would people go if they want to learn more about CMB2? Um, so cmb2.io is the website and we try, I try and keep kind of all the information that's helpful there. Um, it, it pulls in all of the wiki stuff that's on GitHub. Um, so it's all there. It also has some, um, API documentation using API gen. Uh, so it's all the kind of the PHP doc block documentations are, are, are all available there. Um, but the main readme has a ton of information. It talks about features. It talks about um, third-party resource, resources, which is an ever-growing list of, uh, you know, different field types and tools people are building that, um, you know, it's built for or on top of CMD2 to make it more useful. Um, and then there's some different links there. But um, so, yeah, that, that website is probably the go-to place Um for anything CMB2. I also just started a Twitter account, which is, you know, if it's something you just want to, you know, catch the occasional links about how CMB2, you know, what people are doing with CMB2, uh, that's a good place to, to to pay attention as well. Oh, great. I'll drop those links in the show notes. And if people want to follow your work outside of CMB2, you work for a US-based agency now, Zell. Zayo, yep. Zayo, that is, is our website. But yeah, um, that's where I'm doing work 100% now. Um, I'm, I'm also on Twitter. That's probably, you know, the best place to keep up with what's going on with me. 
JT Sternberg on Twitter. Well, that's how we started this conversation. I jumped on Twitter and asked if anyone had any good examples of CMB2, and you must have poured 101 on them <laughs> uh, out of your list and uh, tweeted them to me. Um, yeah. And I'll include some of those in the show notes too. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, I, I have a couple uh, columns in my Twitter app that pay attention to CMB2 mentions. Um, it's a, I think a lot of people are surprised when I respond to them. They're like, are you like looking over my shoulder or what's going on? So, <laughs> so if anyone interested in CMB2 wants to know more, they can send out a tweet and you're likely to see it. Exactly. It's kind of like the bat signal. <laughs> cool. Well, I really appreciate your time and your work. Um, we're big users of CMB2 and um, I love what you're doing. Thanks, Justin. Awesome. Thank you.